When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome, of course, to a new episode, a freshly baked episode of the Southside Beat, as we are every Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern on DK Pittsburgh Sports here on YouTube Live, and then later where podcasts are found. He is Chris Halleck. I am Corey Chris, and Chris, yeah. uh, we're on to the Cardinals, but yeah. I think there was a lot of interesting things from Mike Tomlin and of um, course a Tomlin definitely. Tuesday. Yeah, definitely got to talk about Tomlin. Tomlin today. Yeah, for sure. Um there was a few different things uh that that definitely are going to be um topics of conversation among amongst fans. Um the the, the first one that I think we really kind of need to address and this kind of goes back to this past Sunday's performance is we you know whenever he, whenever he was asked about the offense, you know, he said he wants to see more of the same. Mhm. And, you know, of course, that that might rub some people the wrong way because, well, what are you talking about more of the same? <laughs> are you talking about what we saw over the first 11 weeks of the season? Are you talking about just this past Sunday? I would assume, you know, it would be talking about just this past Sunday, but then 16 points ain't good enough. You know, sure. 421 yards is great, but 16 points ain't good enough. So what are you talking like? You know, obviously, I think there's more to it than that, but. Still, like when it comes to repeating what the Steelers did on offense on Sunday, I think that is what Tomlin was talking about. And when you go from that perspective, I do kind of agree of being like, listen, you kind of laid the foundation of what this offense is capable of with that performance, and it's time to build off of that. Right. Now, we acknowledged this yesterday, of course, the 400-yard performance the first in 59 games for the Pittsburgh Steelers and even though the Steelers were able to accomplish that only 16 points were scored and that was one of the things of course Mike Tomlin addressed and if he if you had a nickel for every time he used field position (laughs) or uh, anything like that today basically talking about how the Bengals were able to pin the Steelers back, how the Steelers didn't start favorably. Um, he's had a hurt, lot of like words of the day. Hurt themselves with penalties too. Uh, and, on and a couple of the special teams plays. And they did. He's had a lot of like words of the day, but today I think like the theme that he wanted to really drive home was that he wasn't okay with the field positioning and how the Steelers could have started off the majority of their drives. And he's right to to a certain degree. He is right, yeah. Now, and Barber, thank you for uh, the gifted membership there. Whoever somebody uh, go grab it. Lucky, whoever is the lucky recipient there, make sure you pick that up. I used my uh, I used my my vocals channel to get a, to a membership. My, my vocal oh. cover channel to get a membership on there. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. So the four hundred yards is one thing. Now, one touchdown off of that. Obviously, more has to be built on it. However. They were on a holiday week, so to speak, obviously, with Thanksgiving. They, they took a shortened practice on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're working out the kinks, so to speak, of Eddie Faulkner and Mike Sullivan taking over as OC and play caller. But that all being said, 
Tomlin seemed pretty encouraged by exactly what happened on Sunday. And I think it's fair to say from just about all angles that there's plenty for this offense to build upon. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously the biggest thing that you want to, at least a, a starting point for the offense is, you know, move the chains, you know, keep drives alive, move the chains, get first downs. Steelers had no problem doing that. Outside of when the uh, when the Bengals made adjustments in the second quarter, I, feel, I have so much saliva in my mouth. I'm eating peppermint bark right now. <laughs> I was going to say, you're but, eating, dur- eating during the show. Darren, it's, thanks it's for the Gira, gift. So it's Ghirardelli's peppermint bark. I cannot yeah. help it. All yeah, right? they're great. They're mm. great. I was, I was, it's, it's gone. Don't worry about it. Um, but uh, no, no, like you keep the chains moving. You get first down. Steelers had no problem with that outside of the second quarter when the Bengals made adjustments. Um, and then the Steelers made their own adjustments to counter that, that cat and mouse game, staying ahead of the curve um, and continue to move it. Obviously the next step at that point is finish the drive, you know, get points. Now, obviously you want to get touchdowns over field goals, but get some points, you know, the field positioning obviously did play a, b- a bit of a role. The, the one for sure that I think was really, really painful was Calvin Austin returned it, returned a punt to the 49-yard line, and a hold by Mark Robinson backed them all the way up to their own 29. That's 20 yards difference. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a that's a huge – I mean, you're talking about you get one first down from the 49-yard line. You're right there on the, on the fringe of Chris Boswell territory. Right. I, I mean, you get 15 yards, you're in his territory, you know, in his range. So, I, I mean, that 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 changes everything when it comes to how you how you draw up and, uh, you know, a drive, how you're going to attack the defense, what the defense is going to do to try to stop you. Um, it, it does change everything whenever you have this. So the field positioning thing does play a factor. But yes, the next step for this offense, no matter where they're starting their drives, whether they're starting on the 50 or whether they're starting on their own one is finish the drive, get points, try to come away with nothing with nothing less than a field goal, but get multiple touchdowns. Barbara, thanks for the uh, five gifted. You guys Barbara's are coming through today. The, the holiday spirit, man. You, you guys are coming through today. We appreciate that. If you got the gifted, make sure you claim it and uh, shout them out in the chat. HMJ asks a question for me. How do reporters determine the order on who asks the next question during a press conference? Do some end up asking more than their quota? Well, first off, HMJ, there's really no quota. Um, some weeks, Chris is laughing. Uh, I can it's, think of many reasons why Chris is laughing. It's just at this. It, the, 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 I'll let you answer it, but I, I got my own answer for it. The, the correct answer is it's a free for all. Um, yeah. <laughs> it really is. It's it a really mosh is. pit somewhat. Um, there are times where I will get spoken over and I will speak over people to get my question in. Yeah. Um, at least this is how it goes here in some press conference settings. And, you know, I could think of a, a really particular example being the NCAA tournament when I covered pit basketball over there. Yeah, It was raise your hand. Someone will hand you a microphone and a moderator will tell you, okay, that's different. Yeah. Blue, blue hoodie in the second row. Go ahead. And then for me, I would go Corey, Chris, and DK Pittsburgh Sports. Hey, Jeff, blank. This is not how it works on the South side. It is a competition, so to speak, mm-hmm. of get the question in. Who's going to speak next is the loudest in the room sometimes. Who's going to speak next is sometimes the first person that simply speaks. And there's really no like order, so to speak, of, okay, 
he's going to go first, then he's going to go second, then she's going to go third, then he's going to go fourth, then she's going to go. There's none of that whatsoever. And Mark, it's a scrum kind of environment. I mean, although it is called a media scrum. Right. In that press conference room, though, for Tomlin, we're all at tables. We have assigned tables and assigned seating in the in that room. It's but still, still but still, it's, it's a, a scrum kind of thing where you just ask. You just blurt your question out. And with a, that, it's a scrum with assigned seating. <laughs> it, yeah. And with that comes the really tedious task of not cutting Mike Tomlin off. Ooh, don't do that. Do not, and it, it's not like he's going to oh, get yeah. mad at you. It's just you will look like an idiot doing it. Um, yeah, there, there are. Yeah. I mean, there are different, and, and it does vary from from team to team, from sport to sport, for sure. Uh, baseball is different when it comes to how, like, like not only media scrums work, but even press conferences. Um, I, you know, th- for you know, I spent you know part of three seasons uh, covering baseball. Um, Man, I, I've been from everything where it was like a scrum, and then you know there was also times where it was moderated. It just kind of depends on the the event and everything like that. Um, so, but mm-hmm. um, Chris, here's a question I want to bring to you. Yeah, um, and your chalk talk piece. Ooh. There's a mention of your chalk talk piece from Swan here. Anything you edited out that you want to talk about when it as it pertains to. Maybe what the Steelers did differently or adjusted in the post Matt Canada era. Uh, honestly, no, there was really nothing that I edited out. Um, that was, I mean, it was nearly 2000 words. I mean, that was a, a longer chalk talk piece than it normally is. Usually it's between a thousand to 1200 words. And mm-hmm. I wanted to include as much detail in there as I could. Obviously, you know, I could get really, really stupid and go literally play by play series by series, but um, I, I don't want to, <laughs> I've got other things that I do other than just write those pieces weekly. Sure, so sure. Um, appreciate the, the, the positive feedback. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, positive feedback on social media and on uh, in our, in our comment section, obviously in the asylum. So um, really appreciate the positive feedback. Just, you know, really, you know, I'll probably rewatch the game. Well, not the entire game, just the offensive series, but rewatch it about five times. And when you're watching the all 22, it's um, uh, you watch the sideline view, then the end zone view. And so you're really watching each play twice. So it's almost like I watched the entire offensive game 10 times. Do you watch it on normal speed or do you speed it up? Uh, it, it, d- certain plays, you know, cause you know, obviously I watched the game live. So I kind of knew what plays I wanted to kind of look out for. Cause I kind of take notes during a game Yeah, being like, okay, this play stood out to me. This play stood out to me. Okay. I want to take a second look at this. Okay. Kenny got sacked on this. What was there? What wasn't there? Uh, you know, different things. So I know kind of where I want to go to because then I, I, then I'll rewatch the game, like from the normal broadcast view so that I can then get like timestamps to kind of understand exactly like, okay, like, okay, maybe on a second look just from the broadcast view, it's not what I thought it was or anything like that. But then once I start going through the all 22, I might see something back watching the film whenever I see the end zone view or the sideline view, you know, depending on what the, the concept that was called or from watching the end zone views, how did pass protection look? Something stands out to me. The one thing that stood out to me in the end zone view was the, the, the plates, uh, the, 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 when they put Warren in motion and they threw it to him uh, in the flat um, to, to convert that third and short, you see on there, it's something I didn't even catch live. I don't know how I didn't catch it live, but Darnell Washington is actually lined up as a right tackle. And then Broderick Jones is lined up as a tight end outside yeah. of Dan Moore. So you're you're talking about multiple try ways you're trying to manipulate the defense 
you know, with the with the jets, you know, with the jet motion. Obviously, you're like, okay, we know that they do that. You know, you watch Steelers film, you know that they they do that with Jalen, but they also got two tackles on the left side. So are they going to hand it off to Najee to have him run behind that heavy set on on the left side? So that's you know different things that kind of um, you know different things that kind of stand out. And Swan Tuzik, yeah, you can't hide, you can't hide anything on uh, on all twenty two for no. sure. You no. see everything. The only thing is that when you're watching the end zone view, it's a tight shot of just uh, the offensive line and quarterback, and then it kind of widens out so you don't see like receivers at that point. Uh, but you're not really looking for that at that point. You're, you're when you're looking at like receivers running routes and stuff. That's what the sideline views for. All right, let's get to a few viewer questions here. Darren asks, "What is the morning period?" M O U R N I N G. Uh, before can for Canada, before reporters inside the locker room will start telling the stories of any discontent of players towards Canada. Like, unless a player goes on the record and is like, this guy sucked, like, which is evident. We all knew as a coordinator, <clears throat> which is evident. Look at the look at the production. No 400-yard games at 59 games. Like, it's evident he was not a good offensive coordinator. But everybody's saying nice things about the person. So, like, I, I think in this case, I don't know how much more hot laundry is going to come out, so to speak, because put it this way, okay? In the, in the week leading up to Matt Canada getting fired, like it, more of the same kept coming out of like the offense is not, it, it's stuck in the mud. It's not producing, it's it stinks. And then what Najee Harris said after the Browns game on Sunday mm -hmm. really told the story of how a lot of people felt. And what Deontay Johnson talked about on the Monday to follow that, a week ago from Monday, about miscommunications and about like, they're bashing their heads in the wall saying we got to execute better. We got to play better. We have to do better. But at the end of the day, there is a coaching element to this. There is a game planning mm -hmm. element to this. Yep. And, and the brass tacks was the Steelers offense was not being put in the best position to succeed. And the boil over, so to speak, came very quietly from Najee Harris and his words. So like, I don't know how much more about, yeah, this guy's offense sucked can really be said. That's already been shown. I, I just think that, I just think that all, by now, by this point, they just want to move on. b Phil asked who dared cut Tomlin off. <laughs> Not intentionally. No. Nobody's intentionally I'm... doing that. No. If Mike Tomlin gets cut off at the end of an answer, it's because somebody is trying to read, uh, and I'm not making this up. They're trying to read his mouth. They're trying to listen for mm. his inflection to figure out when he's going to be done speaking. And if there's something that's really burning on these reporters' minds, and myself included, it happens to me too, mm -hmm. and they got to get that question out, and they got to be asking it right now because there is a finite time in some instances with press conferences. Now, not really as much with Tomlin today, um, but there are instances, for example, when Kenny Pickett speaks or when Cam Hayward speaks, where there's a finite time. They have to go to meetings. They have to go get treatment. They, for whatever reason, have to be out of the locker room by X o'clock. So if they step into the in front of that backdrop you see with like the Steelers logo, the PNC logo, if they step in front of that backdrop at 245 and they have to be in a meeting by 255, you're going to get them for seven minutes, eight minutes if you're lucky because they have to have time to get to their meeting. Yeah. So like at that time, it will become a race, so to speak, to get the question out, especially if you weren't one of the first ones to ask it because follow-ups get asked. And elaborations happen, and then yeah. some players and, and some coaches just talk longer than others. 
Mike Tomlin will talk for a long time about something he's burning on, and then something he really doesn't want to discuss will give you five words. Like, mm-hmm. it really depends on what you're talking to him about. Um, Chris Lynn asks Chris Halleck, how much do you miss being on the beat? Uh, it's, it's different. Um, I mean, there are certain times where you do kind of miss the, the grind of, you know, going there every single day and seeking information and, um, you know, just kind of telling news. I I really did enjoy, uh, the process of like gathering stuff and then writing stories off of it. Um, because, uh, it's, uh, it's almost like you're, you're, you're being a storyteller for a living, you know? Um, but, to you know obviously to a point because you know at the end of the day your job is to relay the information that you're that you're gaining that you that you're finding um and uh it's it's a lot of hours it's a lot of time away from you know if you have a family it's a lot of time away from your family um i will say that after the year in the manner in which that i did you know cover the team uh i'm not missing it too much right now because i'm really enjoying the time with my family um, and, uh, you know, you know, who knows what the future holds in terms of, you know, you know, anything, but I, 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 I don't know, but as of right now, I wouldn't say I'm missing it too much. Uh, there are certain instances where I do kind of wish I was there to be able to, okay, locker room is going to be open on Monday. I don't necessarily have to be there, but I might want to go there. Cause I want to ask a question. Yeah. You know, I want to talk, I want to approach a player about a certain play you know, or whatever that would be beneficial, but. Um, honestly, yeah, that's kind of, kind of my answer on that. Pittsburgh Toddy asks, do reporters get frustrated when coach Tomlin gets somewhat condescending and, or doesn't really answer the question if they have egos, they do. I'll leave it at that. I don't, I I never, I don't, don't, it happens. Well, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to brag or anything. Um, but I didn't get a lot of questions from Tomlin that gave where he gave me a non-answer. Um, and that's just you've you've got to find a way, and, and this this is where the 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 art really does come in in in, in our job as, as beat mm-hmm. reporters. Um, you gotta you gotta know the right way to ask a question. Oh yes, you do. And uh, if you don't ask a question the right way, you're not gonna get the answer you're looking for. And uh, and the times that I did get a non-answer, the the first thing I do is how could I have worded that differently. Mm-hmm. Um, could I have worded that any better where I couldn't have gotten a better, a better response. And, um, there are, I mean, you never bat a thousand of course. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I would say for the most part, whenever I asked Tom on a question, I knew exactly what I wanted to ask, how I wanted to ask it. And I usually got an ant, not necessarily like I'm getting the answer I'm looking for, but I got an answer, not a non-answer. Um, all you have to do is look to me in training camp. I got bodied by Mike Tomlin like four days in a row. Like I was, on a, <laughs> I was on a losing streak with him. But you know what? You keep punching. That's part of the game, right there. Oh yeah. Uh, Barbara asked you, Chris, when's the last time you were here in the four one two? Whenever I left, I haven't been so back. It's been since. a while. Yeah, I haven't been back. So that was uh, late May. So it's been a while. Um, yeah, it's been a while. Um, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully it's not too not too much longer. Um, but. Uh, yeah, again, just really enjoying the time with the family, everything that that I've that I've been doing. Uh, you know, kids are in school now, uh, so there's obviously a bunch of different things going on with that. Uh, but then once spring starts again, son's gonna be playing baseball again. Uh, daughter's gonna be playing baseball, you know, or you know, t-ball at her age. Uh, but yeah, just really enjoying the time with the family right now. Uh, Jeremiah, I agree. Let's smash that like button. Smash yes. the like button. <laughs> Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you haven't yet. 
tell a friend and tell a friend to tell a friend about this show. YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Everywhere. We are everywhere. Brent everywhere. says, um, Brent says Najee, this was an auto this was an autocorrect. Najee was robbed on angry runs. I mean, he absolutely was, but I also think Najee's been public about like, yeah, I don't care about that. Like, <laughs> don't involve me in that. Yeah. Jalen Warren won it last week, uh, of course, on NFL Network on Good Morning Football. Kyle Brandt is a gem. I really like his stuff uh, quite a bit. Um, let's see. I'm just scrolling through comments here. You guys are bringing it with really good questions and really good comments about the game. Trevor asks, why do Kenny and Deontay seem to not be on the same page? It's really mm-hmm. only with Deontay that I've noticed miscommunication on routes. It could be a number of things. And I think, number one, it starts with coaching and it starts with design. And it starts with what the coaching staff, obviously Matt Canada, was where all of these miscommunications occurred. I, I think coaching has a portion to do with it. I also think it's a portion of, like, miscommunication to me is what we call it. It's the buzzword. It's in moment. But I also think that it's it's that whole idea of just not being on the same page of what the quarterback likes in a certain situation versus what the wide receiver likes in a certain situation. You know, for example, the route that Deontay hot routed against the Browns where he streaked and was wide open mm-hmm. and Kenny never saw him, that's that's simply an idea of I didn't know you were going to do that and I didn't know you wouldn't look for me there. Like, I, I think there's a, port, a, a portion to that and maybe – some of that timing and some of that rhythm doesn't get thrown off. If Deontay's not hurt for the majority of this season. Yeah. I think that plays a role in it too. And if, and if Kenny plays more and like, let's be, let's be frank here. This was the first game in a while where all of the pieces for the Steelers offense were healthy and were on the field together. I mean, when it comes to Pat Frymuth's injuries and Deontay Johnson's injuries and Kenny Pickett getting banged up a little bit here and there, this was the first time this offense was able to be on the field together. So, you know, I, I just think that it could be a number of different things. I think coaching is a big part of it, though. Um, it, it's certainly everything, mostly everything, looked to be in sync and pretty in tune on Sunday. Yeah, um, just to kind of because we we probably will have to address it because Tomlin addressed it today, um, and this mm-hmm. kind of this kind of brings it up. Rick Rick says, "Watch QB School." We really see some whack choices that Deontay makes. Um, obviously, the the play on the Jalen fumble. Um, uh, came up in the press conference, and Tomlin pretty much said that he's going to let Deontay, you know, address that. Um, so you know, to to your point of what you said yesterday, anything with that is going to be handled in house. Of course, it is. Um, but, and I told you, the first thing that he said, you were right, was were about right. that Jalen shouldn't put the ball on the on the ground. I told you, you that was going to be right. It's I I I covered the team long enough to know that Mike Tomlin hates turning the ball over and he loves taking the ball away. Yeah. It might be his, his least favorite thing on offense is giving the ball to the other team. And his favorite thing on defense is taking the ball away from the other team. So when the, on a play where the ball was literally given to the other team, the thing that's going to piss Tomlin off the most is going to be Jalen fumbling the ball. Well, so, and he's right, by the way, as spice says, spice yeah. says he's now, right. he is right. Now to address because I also apparently you know upset some people yesterday about my comments on Deontay, so I'm going to clear the air here right now. I wasn't upset. I know you weren't. I'm. I know some people were, but that, and that's yeah, fine. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do. Yeah. So the play itself is inexcusable. You can't walk off the line of scrimmage. You can't just stand there blocking or whatever. You you. I mean you you can't. 
And then as soon as all your teammates start running to bring up the point, because if you watch the QB school breakdown, JT O'Sullivan really, really hated it <laughs> whenever the entire team starts running and Deontay's not. Yeah. That 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 stuff is infuriating. And through watching the film, again, I watched every offensive play about 10 times. That's 10 times that I saw that play. And every single time it's painful to watch because you're just like, dude, what are you doing? It's an inexcusable play. No excuse for it. It's bad. It looks terrible on tape. As soon as you start getting to the point where you take that one play and turn it into he's selfish, he's not a team player, you're crossing a line into fiction, okay? You just are. You can think whatever you want of the guy. You can hate the fact that he drops more passes than you want him to. You can hate the fact that he runs backwards too much. Again, I have a piece on the on the website that I wrote back in June that really kind of refutes that his production after the catch last year was any worse than it normally is. The numbers back it up. The film backs it up. It's all there. But as soon as you start getting to the point of saying the dude's selfish, the dude's not a team player, you just cross the line into absolute fiction because it's the furthest thing from the truth. Corey has, has been in the room enough to know that even on the record conversations, Deontay is one of the most honest people in that locker room. From my own personal experience of talking with Deontay, both on the record a lot and off the record a lot, I he openly admitted to me on the record last year for a Friday Insider that I did last year that embracing a leadership role is not easy for him. It does not, it does not come naturally to him. So for him to embrace that, even though it's not something he necessarily wants to do and continue to do that. And when George Pickens was having struggles with certain plays, who was the guy who pulled him aside? Usually it was Deontay being a leader. That's not easy for him. That does not come naturally to him. He has to consciously make that, that decision to do it. Cam Hayward, Najee Harris, those guys are natural-born leaders. It's just something that they do without thinking about it because that's just who they are. That's not who Deontay is, and he embraced it anyway. That is not somebody who's selfish. That is not somebody who doesn't care about the team and only cares about himself. So, again, I will say as soon as you – the play is inexcusable, but as soon as you cross that line into thinking that he's some sort of selfish guy who doesn't care, it's just it's just false. That's all I got to say about it. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Yeah. And and what Mike Tomlin said today was he's going to let Deontay address the team and address reporters about the situation. And Mike Tomlin did say it's something he has to answer for. And I think that context is important with what Mike Tomlin said. Mm-hmm. It's something he has to answer for. Every bit of that phrase. He has to answer. No. He has to answer it. So, Deontay Johnson, more than likely tomorrow, on Wednesday, will be addressing this and answering it. And we'll get in front of it. He's not stupid. Okay? He's a smart guy. He knows. He will know. He will realize at some point that he screwed up. Mm-hmm. And he will address it. He has been very forthcoming to anybody. Remember, remember, he gave interviews last Monday before Matt Canada was fired, and then two days later on Wednesday after Matt Canada was fired. Mm-hmm. So he's a guy that is looking at himself as a representative of the offense. He's looking at himself as a representative of the Steelers. 
and what you're saying, Chris, and what I know about Deontay both line up. It's that the guy gives a damn about what's going on. He really does. Now, let's wait, okay, to hear him explain. Let's wait to hear what he has to say. Now, is he going to come off as genuine? Or is he going to come off as somebody who is given a canned BS answer and gives that? I'm willing to bet that he's going to come off as genuine. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say more about it. Because we gave our thoughts yesterday. We gave our thoughts yesterday. Mike Tomlin gave his thoughts today. We gave our, our brief thoughts today. So we can we can move on and just wait now until Deontay Johnson speaks. But for now, and by the way, uh, as we move to this final point real quick, yeah. if there's anybody that's going to describe a two-win football team like they're a Super Bowl contender, it's Mike Tomlin. Oh, he, <laughs> he had so many good things to say about the Cardinals. Always. A it's team always. that's just a team that's just in the gutter, like has very few good going for it. Uh, you know, Buda Baker, he talked about Buda Baker, of course. He he yeah. spoke in length about James Conner and about, you know, how he's going to expect James Conner things from James Conner and about Kyler Murray and how his mobility and all of that stuff. But if there is ever a guy that's going to paint a really bad football team into being a Super Bowl contender, then it's going to be Mike Tomlin, and that's what he did today. Which just goes to show that this whole thing of, like, Tomlin doesn't have his team ready to play, I mean – Mm. It, it does not it does not translate when it comes to the respect that he has for the team on the other side of the ball because i mean tomlin's not the type of guy who's going to get behind the podium and talk like that and then get into a room and say all oh, these guys are scrubs we don't need to you know put our best our our, our best stuff out there bull crap yeah i mean frank yeah. i mean that's this kind of stuff like still still mike tomlin's tendency to overlook he really doesn't I really does not. No, just listen to what he says on a week to week basis. I mean, the we do not care, the outlook of 2024 being we got to beat the Bengals this week. Like, no, he's he's yeah. very locked in. He's very locked. Yeah. Tom can make the make the one in ten Panthers look like the 85. There, like could, the 85 there could be a number of reasons why players aren't engaged when it when it when it comes to a, when it comes to a certain you know, game or something like that. It could be a number of things. It, it's, I mean, everybody wants to point at the head coach and say, why didn't he have his team ready? Well, I mean, again, you know, I, what if, what if the defense was absolutely ready to run through a brick wall, but the offense goes three and out five times in a row to start the game and the defense can't get off the field and they get tired. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, like what happened with San Francisco. Um, uh, and I a mean, couple, and a couple of quick injury notes before we sign off. Um, they're hoping Make is going to be ready for Sunday. I think everybody's after missing hoping. a month. He, he, they're hoping, uh, you know. Trent like Thompson's done a pretty good job. He has. I, I will say that though. He has. I mean, it's it's really really softened the blow when it comes to to Mink a bit. Obviously, you still want to have Mink out there, but man, I, I didn't I didn't anticipate Trent Thompson playing this well. Like like for real, and, and that that gives me the, the 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 feeling that you know once Mink is back. Shoot, go ahead and run this three safety yeah. thing with uh with Minka, you know, DeMonte and and Thompson. Uh and the, the wording was the Steelers have got the light on for Minka Fitzpatrick yeah. and for Montrevis Adams this week. Of course, Minka's been out for a month now with a hamstring issue, and Montrevis Adams has been out with an ankle issue. Uh last Friday, uh before the Browns game, Adams told me that the target was the Bengals game. And then, of course, it didn't happen. So uh, it sounds like things were pushed back just a little bit. But the Steelers are looking to get those two major pieces back to their defense. 
He did mention Kenny Pickett had a little ankle tweak. He didn't seem too concerned about it, um, but I, I think that might limit him. My guess is that Kenny would be limited Wednesday and then full go Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Um, maybe, just yeah. based on the, the context Mike Tomlin used. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Calvin Austin's dealing with an ankle thing too, but you know Mike Tomlin seemed okay with Calvin. So Honestly, with the way the injury report is at this point in the season – I think the Steelers are pretty fortunate. Obviously, Minka, you know, had being out hurts, but I mean, if if the guys are dealing with you know manageable injuries, but they have all of their starters on offense, yeah, in late November. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, next game is going to be the first game of December. I mean, dude, you will take that every single year. Yep, every year, December ball. Now, I mean, with the defense, obviously, with with Quan Alexander and. Cole could be an out for the year. That changes quite a bit. But, I mean, other than that, as of right now, oh, yeah, the Steelers are, are knock on wood pretty blessed right now with the injury bug. Um, mm-hmm. But nonetheless, uh, yes, the Cardinals are only two have only two wins. This is the NFL, any week, right? Any any given Sunday, they say. This yep. isn't, you know, a uh, Penn State playing Delaware situation. Uh, this is very much a, a NFL the f- where anybody can win on any given week. Of all the flaws with Penn State, man, at least they can, uh, you know, cover the spread against uh, uh, lesser opponents. Uh, I, I will say that about them. They can't. Hey, they they can't beat top ten teams, but they, they can cover the spread against lesser teams. <laughs> they can't beat Ohio State or Michigan, but they can do just about anything else. Just like Ryan Day can do anything else but beat Michigan, apparently. Uh, meanwhile, my Orange are moving apparently towards a new coach. So happy about that. Um, all right, let's Terrell get out of Austin, here. Maybe Terrell Austin. Uh, that's not what I'm hearing. Uh, okay. Well, there you that's go. That's not what I'm hearing. There's a, there's a, there's a man by the name of Fran Brown who coaches at the university of Georgia. He's the DB's coach and the number one rated recruiter in the country. And the reports are indicating that that's their guy. So, uh, we'll take it. But we'll is, take Syracuse, it. is Syracuse going to have competition for that? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. For example, um, Matt Canada. Is all of a sudden St- Matt or uh, Swan? <laughs> Swan, don't do this. Somebody asked in my live cues yesterday, um, "What if Pitt hired Matt Canada back?" And I said, "Here's the here." I gave him the sad answer, and I gave him the twisted, screwed up answer. The sad answer is that Matt Canada being hired would not be an upgrade over Frank Signetti. I'm not saying it's a downgrade. I just I'm saying it's not an upgrade. Here's Could the twist. Here's Could the twisted you? answer. Here's this. Here's this. Here's the twisted like sadistic answer from my head pit hiring Matt Canada as their offensive coordinator would bring them tremendous publicity for all of the wrong reasons. Can you imagine the log? No, no, I just, can you imagine those awkward like walks past each other between Tomlin and Canada on the South side, but only Canada is wearing pit gear instead of Steelers gear in Canada and Kenny knowing that that, I mean, let's, let's not forget Canada recruited Kenny Pickett to pit. He's the reason. Matt Canada is the reason why Kenny Pickett went to Pitt. Let's not forget this. Uh, yeah, could you just imagine that? Could you just imagine that? That would uh, be Kansas so funny. Yeah, be Phil. No, 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 no. You're safe. Believe me. We're Shoot, safe. man. I mean, like, I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Matt Canada went back to Pitt as as OC. He's, I mean, he's had the job before, but it wouldn't surprise me if he went back to being an OC in college. He's pretty much already coached half the colleges in the world. Or the uh, world, Frank, country. Frank, unless I missed it over the last 35 minutes, I'm not sure what news, but I can't wait. Yeah, Logan, it is out of pocket, but to be honest with you, it was addressed in my live queue yesterday. So I'm just going off of that. Somebody also asked. I still can't stop talking about Matt Canada. Somebody, also, somebody also asked me, why is Mason Rudolph still here? And like, why can't 
the Steelers trade him. And I said, well, what are they going to get? A practice squad linebacker or a seventh round trade pick? trade anybody right now. It's past the trade deadline. Also that. But also, like, Mason Rudolph's not Johnny Unitas. So I, I don't know what is expected. The dude, the dude was a free agent over the, over the summer, and nobody signed him. That's all you need to know. All right. All you need to know now is that Chris and I are out of here. Kenny Pickett's expected to speak tomorrow on Wednesday, and we'll have more on that. It'll be a low-quality Corey day on the south side. So Chris will get you going for about the first 10, 15 minutes or so at 3 p.m. Eastern, and then I will jump in and uh, help conclude the show. But for now, we're out of here. DK and Ramon in about 25 minutes or so here. Uh, over under Bell, 403. I'm going to go a little over. I'm going to go 404 today on Bell. I'm going to go four on 404 on Bell. Uh, you want to give a quick quick prediction on that, Chris? What time? I'll go, I'll go over. You're going over? I'm going 404. 404 today for me. I won't get the um, number, but I'm going to say over. Stick around for that, though, and uh, Chris and I will be back tomorrow. So uh, for the Southside Beat, he's Chris Halleck. I'm Corey Christen. You all are amazing. We appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Remember to like, subscribe, share, all the good stuff. Find us everywhere. Find us anywhere. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace out, everybody.